0: the The stars line up and our rates match the sky The sun rises again on a new day of great discoveries. Welcome back to the show, everybody. For those of you who are just joining us in the Dr. Radionic podcast, this is where science, radionics, and Oregon energy have finally made a baby. And we like it that way. But before we conclude our brief perusal of the Lab 5 archives, we'd like to take a moment to tell you something very important to me, Dr. Radionic, and those who work here at Lab 5. Thank you. Especially to our YouTube subscribers and our amazing listeners from Canada, the United Kingdom, our neighbors to the south, the United States, Spain, India, Romania, Netherlands, South Africa, Serbia, Mexico, Germany, Italy, Sweden, Ukraine, France, and Croatia. All around the world, the Dr. Radionic message is spreading across the globe and we couldn't be happier. Not only do you get to keep up with the latest innovations in radioergonomy, but we have the opportunity in our future episodes to take some deep dives into subjects which, at first glance, might seem like common knowledge to some, but is it? As usual, we offer you Connectivision on our YouTube channel, and that's in the description of this podcast. Last week, we talked about the early array designs, experiments in microbiology, and how the evolution of our bion theory took shape. So... After all this, it was time to go back to the original source of Bion theory, Dr. Wilhelm Reich. Reich designed the Oregon accumulator and cloud-busting devices based off of his findings on Oregon and was able to prove it in the famous experiment in 1953 on a blueberry farm in Maine that was suffering from drought. The drought ended, and the rains came, and so did the long arm of the FDA shortly thereafter. But that's a story for another podcast episode. His Oregon theory derived from the discovery of a vesicle, which in scientific terms is but a hollow cavity within a cell that had blue light around it. His assistant and Dr. Reich had hay infusions in autoclave, and then proceeded to autoclave the sample several times. This is when the biome was first revealed to him in what would later become his greatest book on the subject, the cancer biopathy. At Lab 5, we'd also observe these blue vesicles under the microscope and utilize it to make sense of organ energy, much as Reich did. We discovered that this energy could be studied in closer depths under the microscope and monitored for its interactions with other forms of energy by taking measurements. We studied the effects of magnetism, low-dose radiation, electricity, sound, and light. Besides gravitons, which comes in a later experiment having to do with photon-phonon interaction and the creation of a dark matter superimposition, we thoroughly and tirelessly came to the conclusion that organ was a chameleon of the energy world. In other words, it mimicked the energy environment in which it existed. Rock bions are different than hay bions and yeast bions are different than rock bions. So what about human bions? Well, we haven't gotten to that yet. The dark matter superimposition was an experiment with my NGBD series devices, and to simplify I created a perfectly reflective chamber and combined this with the photon-phonon effect to scatter the photons off-trajectory, on purpose. Knowing full well that photons merely pass each other and only exchange virtual particles for the most ridiculously small period of time ever, I decided that I would increase the probabilities by adding sound waves to the equation. I had a lot of success with this device. I was able to broadcast a radio signal into the virtual quantum bubble and the results were almost instantaneous. The super hurricane off the west coast of America dissipated over the Atlantic Ocean in a warm front that just mysteriously appeared out of nowhere, or did it. What does this have to do with bions? Well, the thing is, I managed to take the same yeast and burn it down to almost nothing, nothing except for the bions. Then I mixed it with the Dragonite and turned it into the mock Chamber, and well, you know the rest of the story. Hurricane goes bye-bye. So, I went back to the research table and scoured the literature all across the vast internet and found a correlation which would balance out some unknowns in the bion theory. There was already a proto-bion, a sort of precursor to cellular life, but also the aftermath. I'll explain a little bit. Protobions are what occurs when the cell wall of a cellular organism ruptures. The genetic material oozes out and reassembles itself into, that's right, bions. So, if you have these cells near rocks, guess what they become? Rock bions, right? If you have them near a source of low-dose radiation, guess what happens? They emit a very powerful organ field because they attempt to mimic the energy source nearby. So, while they don't contain gamma, alpha, or beta rays, What they do have is a charge. They are, I suppose, what you would call bioenergetic capacitors. So at the time, I figured out that I could use other types of energy as carrier waves, and the best one I could afford was radio waves. The NGBD class two was a big leap forward for lab four at the time. Picture a freestanding device about two feet off the ground, but from the bottom of the ground up, my apologies. At the base of the device was a magnetized bowl, and within the bowl, a cylinder. Within the cylinder, encased in a reflective enclosure, were two powerful LED lights, which were about a million LX, lux, or lumens, on either end of the container. In the middle of this container was an almost transparent piece of dragonite wedged right into the middle to act as a sort of focal lens. Beneath that was about six inches of water on the outside of this tower were two water speakers each connected to a separate audio source that were at maximum volume so that the glass would resonate with the frequency of the audio signal of course it wasn't at completely maximum volume because this would involve some distortion in the in the signal because of the vibration of the speaker however this would in turn cause the water inside to move the light would refract through the dragonite in charge form and light would become quote-unquote trapped and refracted back out into the cylinder, In that very rare chance that a collision would occur, and some virtual particles would be exchanged, and the whole endeavor realized in that exact moment. On top of this photon chamber was the Mach, which consisted of many magnetic quails integrated into Dragonite, with a piece of Dragonite in the center wired into the top and bottom magnetic bowls, forming a saucer shape on top. And the piece de resistance was a plasma ball connected to a separate audio source on top of all of this, which sort of functioned as the tower's antenna. At the side of the tower, near the bottom again, was a giant copper coil wound several times and filled with dragonite to act as an expanding ring. Just inside this ring was a broadcast antenna. This was connected to a splitter and an amplifier as signal loss was anticipated during the splitting process, and this idea worked fairly well. The other antenna was mounted on the roof. I still remember many days coming home from work after the device had been running all day and being able to very easily spot my house. It was the one with the halo above it, the clear blue sky and the sea of clouds. It was at this point that I was unable to progress any further. It was a full seven months of no research and I was going a little bit crazy. So I moved about five hours or almost 300 kilometers away to Ottawa, where I am at present. I had to start from scratch, and it was a long climb, but I got things back up and running. But that really wasn't good enough for me. So I rapidly began going over all of my old research and started expanding on my old ideas. In the span of two years, I had a new system up and running, the Oregon Broadcast Array. Essentially the same concept as the original, only with a new twist. My new radionic boxes were now replaced with newer models that contained an Archimite core, which was all brand new technology. So I went deeper, and I looked at the device before me, and I asked the biggest question I could think of. What's a rate? Then I began to correlate with my Bion research, and devising a method of analysis, I came to the conclusion that the rates of the newer devices weren't necessarily rates at all but they were something completely different. So, I analyzed many different samples and started to understand the complexities of what I was observing. In a sample of yeast that I had procured compared to a rock, for example, I noted that the first dial for the yeast was nine and the first for the rock was a four. This was pretty important once I was able to observe the two samples under the microscope. The yeast at 9 flashed blue through white rapidly, somewhat like the twinkling effect of a star, and the rock at 4 more of a steady glowing bluish white. So, the rate seemed to indicate a sort of stage of development for the yeast bion. The yeast bions also moved around more rapidly, and then I knew I was on to something. After comparing samples of other materials that behaved in a similar way, I came to the conclusion of motility concentration instead of rates. Motility as an indication of the actual movement of the bions, with relevance to their type and concentration with reference to their actual quantitative value of organ energy. At the present moment, the next logical stage is to completely get rid of the stick plate. That mechanism by which we set the dials by way of pulling sensation to the sensor pad and our finger literally sticking because it all depends on the operator. The operator should be free to address the treatment intended to the care of the person who is receiving the broadcast, rather than playing with a stick pad. They can very easily influence the outcome with their own internal subconscious bias or desire, especially if it is someone you care about, or something you care about. Our new technology is tunable by way of frequency analyzer, so that the MC, or motility concentration, can be calibrated by means of fixing the dials, then the speaker plays the audio and the frequency observed on the spectrogram analyzer. A printed copy of the original frequency is on hand for comparison. Then it's a matter of tuning the dials to bring the frequency back to as close to the original measurement as possible. This is a method of harmonizing the organ energy by using a known energy source and then using the difference to recalibrate the frequency of the device so that the original carrier wave can pass the bions through the circuit with the most minimal effort possible. The main point I want to emphasize here, though, is that changing the conventional stick plate also means changing the way that the sample is measured. This means designing a witness well that is specifically made to capture organ energy. Thank goodness for Wilhelm Reich. Building a miniature orgon and accumulator with a connection will allow the energy from the battery to interact with the sample so that when the current returns to the dials that we just mentioned, it will be carrying the bion energy from the sample along with the carrier frequency. So, the reason we calibrate the dials is to obtain a coherent signal from both these sources and then we use the spectrogram to obtain what doctors call a differential analysis. When I said as close to possible, I meant within about a quarter of a second difference. If it's more than that, then clearly we'd be able to discern the difference by means of observing the MC readout of the dials, and then this discrepancy would enable us to understand something more about the composition and function of the variance. That means that whatever material we are measuring shouldn't have that much of a variance, but if it does, then there will have to be an explanation and more research done which would only reveal more information about the specific composition and the differential energy levels, or energy frequencies, or motility concentration of that particular substance. Going back to our nine readout hypothetically, this would increase the amplitude of the frequency, but not necessarily the wavelength, because the signal would still have the same properties as the original bion energy coming from the battery. The period of length of time of the signal wand would not change, but the crests and troughs would be slightly different owing to its interaction with the sample. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode on the Dr. Radionic podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. So next week, we'll be moving forward and be talking more specifically about the protobions, the microbiological basis for Lab 5's bion theory. This is Dr. Radionic at Lab 5, out. The doctor.